You are Locked On Browns, your daily podcast covering the Cleveland Browns, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Uh, hello, everybody. Happy Wednesday as we continue to roll on through here. Your host, Jeff Lloyd, on what is crossover week. Uh, we heard uh, yesterday, obviously, we focused on Pittsburgh Steelers. Today is your Cleveland Browns day, so we're going to get a lot of discussion from me on you know where I feel the team is different. Um, as where it is it's built, you know, whether it's through the roster, the front office, the coaching staff, as opposed to where it was, you know, for the Munch Ballyhooed, what was going to be the 2019 season that sadly, sadly did not uh, work out. A um, little bit of news here. Uh, you know, obviously the only rookie left to sign now is Grant Delpit. Um, getting that all taken care of. You know, Jedrick Willis, uh, Jedrick Wills with a fully guaranteed uh, contract in, under his belt. Uh, yesterday, Jacob Phillips signed. Um, nice to just get these things out of the way camp uh you know set to open up late next week which i'm sure everybody is looking forward to i think we all are you know uh certainly with a little bit of depredation in you know as far as how this all can work out um but you know to maybe actually get to training camp starting to see some you know signs of normalcy you know for these rookies this is going to be you know from most of them it's gonna be the first time in the building First time probably, you know, around the facilities. First time even, maybe even in Ohio. Um, so a lot going on here as far as, you know, getting this off the ground. As far as getting camp ready, uh, so to speak here. But, you know, uh, just Grant Albert left as far as contracts are working out. Um, obviously, everybody, you know, is going to have to come in, you know, get tested. Um, temperatures taken, all that type of stuff here. And, you know, just hopefully, you know, we can uh, proceed um, without having to halt anything. Um NBA set to fire up here, NHL, MLB, shortly enough. So obviously that's going to be, you know, the barometer. How can these sports survive, so to speak, you know, and and can they maintain? Um, that'll be the key. That's, you know, what we're shooting for here. Um, you know, you know, I think we all need sports. You know, we need the break from it all. Um, but, you know, a pandemic is what we're going through is just so crushing um it's gonna just you know be very very difficult to hopefully you know maintain a season uh just with you know all the factors that go into it and obviously trying to keep you know anyone and everyone safe and healthy uh so with that we're gonna kick it on over here we'll start it off on browns week crossover week with jake liskow uh james rapian chris carter kevin ostriker joining myself your host jeff floyd You know, I don't know what it is with the Cleveland Browns. When when you talk about the Browns and how they relate to the Ravens, it seems like over the past few years, they've had the Ravens number. You know, Baker Mayfield coming in, having a very strong rookie season was obviously the headline. It was expected that he was going to take a big year to leap. And what happened? Not that. Instead, the Ravens quarterback, Lamar Jackson, took a big year to leap. I'm sure Browns fans are tired of hearing about that. But when you look at the difference, and I'll get to my question for Jeff just in a bit here, I think it was just because Baker Mayfield didn't put in the time to get better. And obviously, I think with another offseason now under his belt as we head into training camps, or at least what should be the start of training camps, this Cleveland team, I actually do believe, makes the playoffs. And this is something I've stuck by for a while. I do think they sneak in as either the sixth or I'm going to say seventh seed. Nick Chubb is so instrumental to their success. And obviously, the hiring and then firing of Freddie Kitchens, the whole Freddie Kitchens saga was something that I wasn't on board with from the beginning. It seemed like he underutilized some of the talents, including Nick Chubb. And then you see David Njoku, somebody who I thought had a ton of talent, was barely used. And you saw guys like Ricky Seals-Jones come in. Odell Beckham was rumored to be unhappy. 
happy. It was just, you know, the train wreck that sadly people have become accustomed to when it comes to the Cleveland Browns. But now with new Kevin Stefanski in the driver's seat as the head coach, now you have Andrew Barry, who's been making phenomenal moves. I liked most everything they did this offseason, you know, from the little things such as signing Andrews and Deho, trading for a fullback, and also signing Carl Joseph, guys like Austin Hooper, and then somehow getting Jack Conklin for a steal of a deal in which you look at the Lions paying Big V five years, $50 million. I mean, what was that? The draft also, Grant Delpit was a home run of a pick. Even Jedrick Wills. I mean, the Browns had their pick of some good offensive linemen. The offensive line had to be addressed. And I think they had a phenomenal offseason. I think this is a playoff team. But Jeff, my question for you, it goes back to what I said about Baker Mayfield. Has Baker Mayfield taken this offseason, I'll say a bit more seriously, this time around? How hard has he been working to kind of make people forget about that bad year too? Um, I, I tell you what, Kevin, I was ready to jump all over you, but you kind of found a way to take a couple of shots, but also admit some positivity. So that I do like. Um, and look, it's judging this offseason right now, it's the most difficult thing anybody in content producing is going through. Um, we only know what we hear. Um, you know, there's no OTAs where, you know, it's, you know, the buzz of things. Um, but Baker, to his credit, um, he is showing up to, you know, not only the quarterback meetings, he's showing up to every meeting. He's showing up with notebooks um, because when they finally can get to see grass and see a field, you know, Baker wants to be able to correct something where it's not going to be something that's going to take a minute and a half where coach, oh, I, you know, when I said four yards, I, I, I meant maybe four and a half. So Baker is in on this. He's doing a fantastic job with it, uh, you know, in the resurgence of health, um, you know, Baker, I, I'm, I'm sorry, Odell. Jarvis, both with all-season surgeries. Um, you look at you know the addition of an Austin Hooper, Kareem Hunt, which will be part of this plan for 16 games. Between Odell, Jarvis, Hooper, Chubb, and Kareem Hunt, that is 5,500 yards of offense that existed in the 2019 NFL season. These guys are confident. I think what part of the problem was last year, Kevin, was everybody fell for the hype first. And when the Cleveland Browns are on the cover of this Sports Illustrated NFL preview, yeah, I mean, you can kind of understand how it happens. Things, and it was just a recipe of disaster where the, you know, and I am not taking fault away from the players that are certainly, it is all on them. So as far as, you know, the players not producing like they had in years previous and Baker taking a step down, and there's still some points where Baker actually had a pretty good year in 2019. It's going to take a lot because now the problem is, is you have so much newness to the room and not enough ample time to assemble it, to let it grow, let it marinate. So it's all there um, for the taking offensively. It is. There's a lot of talent there, obviously, with the, what they've done with the offensive line and Baker included. He's bought all in. But this is going to be a year like nobody has seen as far as. The way the season goes, and this can go with NBA, you know, MLB, however it comes, somebody might get hot and just kind of run away, and it could be a lesser-known team. But the ingredients are there. The kitchen is stocked. You've got a chef. There's going to – either way, there's going to be no excuses for no offseason. This Browns offense is expected to produce and expected to produce a lot. Now, I, I got to ask, um, you know, Steelers fans might be wanting to know – about Miles Garrett, but I think it's a bigger question than just Miles Garrett. 
I, I, every year people hype me up about the Browns. They got this talent. They got that talent. They got this talent. They got that talent. I'm just like, it doesn't matter until the, the structural integrity that has been the problem at that organization changes. Every time they load up a talent, it doesn't matter. They find a way to crumble and things go wrong in the end. And I saw it coming last year. It happened. They fell apart. Even in the game where they dominated Pittsburgh, they, they embarrassed Mason Rudolph. And then they, and then Miles Garrett flips the entire switch. The guy who I never thought I'd see anything like that from him. That's something that I'd expect from Vaughn test perfect and that and and he comes out he he does he does that he's out for the rest of the season and the next game you know you have you have the head coach wearing shirts about pittsburgh started it and it just it just continues to permeate this sense of just craziness and instability within cleveland what's the guarantee this year that jeff that we're going to see something different from cleveland that they're finally going to deliver on what they've been saying that we're back we're different we're not the same cleveland browns that we've been since we've returned to the nfl I think it is the structure and look, the ownership, you know, ownership is what it is. Um, and you work around that as an infrastructure of an NFL franchise from the general manager to the head coach to the players. These, and this has kind of been the thing now, cause you don't get to see a lot, like, you know, a lot with these prefer- press conferences, you're listening, you're hearing, you have a general manager, you have Paul DePodesta, you know, chief, you know, executive officer, you have Kevin Stefanski. It's so uniform in the answers to questions. And this was never the case, whether it was a John Dorsey or before him or a Sashi or a Hugh Jackson before him. It was about, and Freddie Kitchens included, it was about trying to say the right things. You don't want to, look, you're not there to amp people up. You're there to speak and hopefully your words lead to actions, which is winning football games. Um, I think what you look at from Kevin Stefanski as far as what he likes, you know, wide zone. That's where Nick Chubb excelled play action. Jarvis Landry, Odell Beckham, almost 1200 yards last year. Play action passing. Everything just seems to add up. Um, I, I think it's, it's intelligence. Intelligence is don't put, you know, the marker on yourself. John Dorsey didn't do that. Hugh Jackson certainly didn't do that. Um, there, obviously Freddie Kitchens didn't do that. You talk about what you're planning to achieve. You don't go out there and throw out catchphrases, slogans. If you don't wear orange and brown, you don't matter. Talk about the X's and O's. Talk about the Billies and the Joes. And if you don't succeed on the field, then maybe you're moved on from. But don't set yourself up for failure by creating your own lightning rod. And that's where it's been insane with this franchise because there's times where these guys are popping off. It's like, well, you're not not, 11 and two, you're 0 and 13. Speak about the game. Speak about the actions. Speak about what you need to do to get better. Speak about why you didn't win or why you can win. Keep it simple, stupid. That applies to on the field. It applies to front office and the way this is now structured. These folks are way, way far too intelligent to get themselves in a situation where their words are going to bite them in their ass. If it doesn't work out and everybody gets canned, that'll be because they didn't do their jobs. It won't be because they created a lightning rod for themselves where people were gunning for them, waiting for failure. They're just far too intelligent for that same old mess, Chris. I guess you do see that with the front office a little bit, and I do expect Kevin Stefanski to run a more mature coaching staff and and more mature front of the house or back of the house or whatever you want to call the the coaching staff in the front (laughs) office 
You do wonder about Baker Mayfield a little bit. He he is uh, certainly prone to, to going off. But I do want to talk about something you said about unity of message. You're talking about unity of message from the top down, from, from Dave Podesta, from uh, Stefanski. The Bengals had that too. The Bengals went 2-14 and 14 last year. So my question is, with a virtual offseason where Kevin Stefanski hasn't gotten to work with any of these players physically in person yet, is there anything to you that's more concerning than the fact that you're trying to bring in an entirely new regime in this particular offseason? Do you have the feeling that, man, just another kick to the Browns, you know, we, we can't catch a break. We got everything going in the right direction, and now there's a global pandemic, and, and now we can't install it. Or, or are you not concerned about that as much as other things? Well, I mean, look, anybody who says the way this offseason has worked is not a concern, they're fooling themselves. Um, because, you know, look, I mean, what happens to everybody? Look, what do we all do come Friday night when we have our weekends? We go off and we have a little fun. And, you know, we, we, we stray from the norm. So you're concerned about, you know, whether these guys are, you know, attending Zoom meetings and they're there essentially in spirit. Uh, but for the most part, look, you added Austin Hooper to this. Look, Nick Chubb was here last year. Kareem Hunt was here last year. David Njoku, look, he can say whatever he wants. They can cry the blues all they want. The Browns committed his fifth-year option. Shut up, dude. The Browns showed you a commitment. Your best chance of succeeding as maybe possibly being at best a receiving tight end for the rest of your NFL career is maybe with the quarterback that you had 56 receptions with in year two. Odell, Jarvis, this is now on you as well. Look, as much as it is Baker, Odell, Jarvis, what has it been? We want to get paid. We want to win. Well, guess what? You guys are about to be 27, 28 years old. If it doesn't work out this year, you have this label and everybody sees it. It's on social media every day about Odell. Why it's not there on, uh, on Jarvis, who's only played in one playoff game. I don't really understand. But it comes to the point where, like, you can say what you want. You know, we want to win. We want to win. We want to win. All right, well, then take a pay cut. Let us get an extra player in here. This, that, and the other thing. Um, it's, it's now or never. Look, this could get really bad. It could. You know, and especially with Baker in year three, the most pivotal year as far as going from that rookie contract to where the commitment will be. Yeah, this is a lot of this is on Baker. Coach Stefanski, obviously only one year. Um, you know, Baker, you know, it was there was good Baker bad last year and there was some really bad. And it was but you've done everything. You solidified it, whether it is offensive tackle, two guys brought in, um, you know, you added in Austin Hooper because you needed a more predominant blocking tight end. I don't think it's just a Baker thing. I think everybody who plays at the offensive skill position is now on notice. And it's just, we're going to have to find the right pieces here. And if it doesn't work this year, Barry's going to get more than one year. Stefanski's going to get more than one year. And if they have to start trimming some hedges, so to speak, there's going to be guys that get dropped. For the sake of all those Brown fans, I think, Everyone in Cleveland is hoping that there's some maturity and some commitment to the front office. You mentioned that, and I'll frankly believe it when I see it. Jeff, we will give you a chance to throw it back at us here coming up in the second half of the show in just a minute. Getting back earlier where we talked about maybe where, you know, now there is an semblance of structure and you can visibly see it here. Um, just to, we've obviously, you know, mentioned a little bit about the Browns offense. So let's go to the defensive side of the ball here. Um, you know, the, the way it was constructed, you know, they went out, obviously, you know, Andrew Billings, obviously coming over from the Cincinnati Bengals. Um, so you add to, that was a third defensive tackle. They drafted Jordan Elliott out of Missouri. There's a fourth defensive tackle. 
Uh, Olivia Vernon after flirtations with Jadavian Clowney. That is now solidified. So you have your starting duo, obviously, Miles Garrett and now Olivia Vernon. Um, you go out and you sign in Adrian Claiborne. They have guys to compete for that fourth defensive end. One of my guys that I think is a surprise and is probably going to rock down that role will be Porter Gustin. Uh, the linebacker position, uh, you know, you moved on from Christian Kirksey. You moved on as well from Joe Schobert. But then you went, you signed two free agent safeties. You signed a free agent cornerback in Kevin Johnson. Then round two, you get a steal. You get a player to just fall in your lap in Grant Talbot. A player I never thought that would see round two. And just watching it all unfold, I was just sitting there shaking my head. Um, you know, a bad stretch for Grant Talbot for three games with a high ankle sprain. And everybody just basically wanted to disown him as a player. You bring him in. So now they're, they're deep in the secondary. They're deep in the defensive line. And then Joe Wood says, look, my theory is he's playing a lot of nickel. He's playing a lot, a lot of dime. So guess what? If you're in that theory, why are you going to pay linebackers a ton of money? Which they didn't do. They have a bunch of young guys in here to compete, whether it's a Mac Wilson or Sione Taki Taki holdovers from the last regime. They drafted Jacob Phillips, a guy I had targeted for them probably from as early as like December. Ended up getting him in the late third round with the Duke Johnson trade compensation. I, this is just what I'm talking about as far as, you know, what they talk about and trying to establish it and everybody seems on board and it wasn't just, you know, the, the, the John Dorsey of, Oh, well, I really want Antonio Callaway. I really want Chad Thomas or, uh, you know, I'm not going to take Harold Landry, you know, over this guy. It was just mistakes that were made. I, I think they truly stuck to a plan and, you know, does it equate to wins? We certainly hope so. We certainly hope so. But just seeing it you know, is is a win for this franchise because it was just so haphazard in how everything went up until that point. Um, Kevin, now look, you got to see for six quarters last year, you got to see when the Browns for obviously, you know, which, which was week four when the Browns won down in Cleveland. And then when you guys came in late in the season and Cleveland was completely undermanned defensively, but it was still another two. It was another tough half, two more quarters of football here. And I, when there's not going to be a preseason, because let's not kid ourselves, there's not going to be a preseason here. The Browns are going to have five, six weeks to prepare for Baltimore week one. It's diverse in how these two teams are built and how they're constructed, but they seem to, you know, compete against each other well and they fight well. And sorry for the other two guys, other two hosts in here and those crew. This is, I think, going to be the battle going further, at least for the next couple of years. Look, Cincinnati's on the heels. Pittsburgh, there's going to be some reshaping. Sorry, Chris. It's going to happen. But, Kevin, there's a nice matchup here as far as, you know, if you're talking about boxing and going 15 rounds between what Cleveland can do, what Baltimore can do, as far as going competing against each other. Yeah, and, you know, you mentioned those six quarters. I mean, seriously, if the Ravens didn't go out in the second quarter of that Week 16 game or literally the final minute of that Week 16 game and score two touchdowns in a span of a minute and nine seconds, I think it was, Cleveland could have easily ran away with that game, even, you know, just being a 6 and nothing game at the half. The Ravens took all the momentum in that Week 16 game in literally a minute and nine seconds and ran with it. Cleveland, is, as I've mentioned and you mentioned there too, Jeff, they've had a lot of good matchups over the last few years. And look, I don't think Baker Mayfield's ceiling is what 
he did in 2019. He, there were some stats that Mayfield put out that were impressive, but for the most part, you know, it wasn't the impressive season that I was expecting out of Mayfield. I expect him to be much improved. The Ravens knew in that Week 16 game they could not have a repeat of what happened in Week 4 with Nick Chubb literally running all over this defense. 20 carries, 165 yards, and three touchdowns. And that was coming after the Ravens gave up 500 yards to the Chiefs offense. They go out and give up 500 yards to the Cleveland offense. The way the Ravens defense was constructed in week four was so much different than it was constructed in week 16 and they only improved in my opinion and just like Cleveland did in the offseason I think both teams got really really strong in the offseason both had strong drafts both had strong free agency periods both have good young quarterbacks and I I think I do agree with you Jeff these two teams are going to be duking it out for the next few years for what I believe will be the AFC North title but when you look at what the Ravens they're going to have to deal with with this Cleveland organization for the next few years. And we'll, we'll look to 2020. I actually think Baltimore loses week one to Cleveland. I think that the Cleveland Browns, again, go into M&T Bank Stadium, regardless of, of how many fans are there. And they, they beat the Ravens. And, and I think that's just, you know, the coronavirus effects, not having the team together for so long. I think the Ravens come back and beat Cleveland in the primetime game just a few weeks later. But, but but for the Ravens, for Baker Mayfield, for Lamar Jackson, for everybody involved, these two teams are going to match up very well. I, I think they do match up very well. The Browns have a ton of weapons on offense. The Ravens have one of the best secondaries in the entire league. Plus, they added Calais Campbell. They add Derek Wolf to that defensive line that got obliterated by Derek Henry. So for the Browns, for the Ravens, two very good teams and matchups that I'm looking forward to in 2020. Uh, it's just fun the way you know, they, they, they square up against each other, so to speak, here. Um, Chris, looking at this here, you know, for the Steelers, and um, look, even, you know, I mean, Eric Ebron was bought in through free agency, but even, look, the Bengals, to their credit, got you know, some activity this year in the, free, in the free agent market, which is something that we're not aware of. Is the Steelers organization realizing, you know, that maybe you're going to have to pay some guys? Um, whether they're your own or whether off the street here, you just can't continue to hope through just the draft alone. Well, I mean, the Steelers have always been a team that doesn't have any cap space because they're paying guys. I mean, they, they, they've never been one of the big swingers in, in free agency uh, since, since I think it started. Uh, they, they've always maintained, hey, we draft strong. Uh, they, they look at the they look at who's who's on their roster, and if they if they have a lot of misses, then they'll make moves there. But you know, the only times they've really had to do it were to get Joe Hayden, uh, you know, in, in as a cornerback when he was just sitting there in training camp. That worked out. Um, they went and got Steven Nelson last year, which was a solid addition. But like you know, by and large, these they rarely go spend like huge dollars. I mean, and, and they can't go for you know a lot of these teams like the Jaguars, uh, you know, like the Browns and like the Bengals at times. You know, they they'll go into certain free agency periods and have tons of money and say, let's get this guy or let's get that guy. But um, they, they're gonna pay, they're looking to pay right now. Their biggest concerns are getting locking up T.J. Watt, extending Cam Hayward. Uh, making sure they have the money to keep around Minka Fitzpatrick in a, in a few years, um, you know they're they're looking they're looking at those guys. Um, they are I think there's the serious questions of who they're going to pay is you know will they try to keep Bud Dupree around long term? Um, I, I think if Alex Highsmith has a strong year, that's going to be a no. Uh, when it, you know will they will they pay James Conner considering they've drafted three running backs in three straight years uh, after picking him? Um, I, you know, I have a hard time seeing that unless he has a really strong year. Will they pay Juju Smith-Schuster? I talked about that yesterday on the show. 
Uh, it's going to depend on you know how strong other people come on and how 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 good his relationship is with Ben Roethlisberger and if he's going strong into 2021. Um, but the the Steelers, I mean, they went and got Ebron because they wanted another tight end to be a playmaker and you know to help Ben out. And he's Ebron's been calling for years to be to join the Steelers. I I was in Detroit in 2017 when he was like buddy being buddy buddy with Ben. You know, before, during, and after the game, where he was like, "That's my guy, that's my guy," and everyone's like, "Oh, okay, I wonder what you're trying to say." Um, but, uh, but yeah, I, I mean, the Steelers—they they know they got to pay people when they got to pay people, but they've their their roster's been locked up for for however long. It's just kind of how, how they've operated. Um, I think the biggest question will be when Ben is officially done. His he has a forty million dollar cap hit next year when he's officially done, and all that money comes off the books. Who do they spend it on? But I, I imagine they've already got you know plans in the works. Kevin Colbert's been very good at this as planning forward, and he's got guys waiting in the wings to take his place that are that are going to keep the same sort of line of thinking. I, I think they've got their heads on straight, and they're not panicking about what's going to happen very soon. Well, I mean, if y'all, if you guys would like to just let TJ Watt move, I think the rest of us, you know, hosting the ah! North, we'd be more than okay with that. James, first of all, and uh, James, welcome back um, to the Lockdown Family. Um, you know, obviously, you know, piss poor franchise a few years ago talking, um, but you know, look, I mean, the light lamps, uh, the, you know, and you're back here, and it's great seeing you do Bengals coverage because I know how difficult it gets sometimes talking about something that you don't have much faith in, and then when you start to see uh, the product grow here, I do want to ask you this though. Um, I, I love. The wide receiver core. I love what they've got going on there. Um, you know, Joe Mixon, you know, I get my jabs in when I can, but obviously Joe Mixon, more than a capable back. Um, everybody, I think to a man within football community, thinks Joe Burrow is going to be something. Where is this offensive line at? And if I learned anything from what the Browns were able to do in 2018, from what they were not able to do in 2019, it's having the offensive line in place because you want your quarterback to play free. You want him to feel safe. You want him to feel he can do everything he needs to do. But there are some questions. I mean, one of the guys they're relying on the most still has not taken an NFL snap to this point. They're where the Browns were a year ago without the height. <laughs> we, we all thought that the Browns were going to take off running, but they were extremely flawed in a lot of areas. That They didn't have the depth on defense that contenders required, especially when you're going up against uh, some tough opponents in the AFC North. And then they struggled on the offensive line. So fast forward to this year, it's the same thing for Cincinnati. Uh, they have the pieces in place in a lot of areas. Do they need to work on their defense a little bit more? Yes, they're, they're another offseason away. But there's a, a scenario where they win – six games, seven games, and then next year they address the offensive line. They address whatever other weakness they have on defense that will rear its ugly head this year, especially in a tough division. And then I, I think that there will be some momentum towards the Bengals. It was funny hearing you guys talk about the Ravens and the Browns. I don't, I don't think so. I think this division is the best division in football. I think if Burrow is the guy that I think everyone thinks he's going to be that the Bengals are going to be right in that mix from from here on out. So the the offensive line is uh, it's uh, there's question marks all over outside of Trey Hopkins at center. Uh, you know, you mentioned Jonah Williams. We'll see if he's an upgrade at left tackle uh, left guard with Michael Jordan. You know, everyone's like, who the hell's Michael Jordan? He's a second year guard from Ohio State. Uh, they signed Xavier Suofilo at right guard. He's expected to start. Uh, we'll see if he's an upgrade. And, and then right tackle, Bobby Hart, Fred Johnson, Akeem Adenogy, who they drafted in the sixth round, they're all going to compete for that job. So a ton of question marks up front. 
I think a couple of the guys will uh, certainly disappoint, and then they'll be on the search next year, kind of like the Browns were this offseason. Um, but but I certainly think that they're they're heading in the right direction. And with one more active offseason, one more aggressive free agency period, and a good draft class, I think the Bengals could be in the thick of things a year from now. I was a big fan of the team, and I think that was a great selection for them. And I, I honestly think as, as soon as he starts challenging Bobby Hart, I think the Bengals will remove themselves from that situation altogether. So that's a wrap for today's edition of Locked On Browns. Uh, you know, some talk here about you know, rookie contracts as we start to make our way to camp. Obviously, the roundtable with the uh, hosts of Locked On Bengals, Locked On Ravens, and Chris Carter from Locked On Steelers. Uh, hope everybody, hey, you know, enjoyed it. Um, we'll be back tomorrow. We'll be talking uh, some Cincinnati Bengals with the crew tomorrow. Uh, until we talk the next time, LGB on the LOB. Let's go, Browns.